welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Guys, I'm so excited to be with you tonight. Seriously, this whole week as I've been preparing and just getting ready for this, I'm honestly nothing but excited. And this is really the third time that I've preached up here on a platform like this. And this time, I don't know, I feel different about it. And I'm just really excited and joyful. Not like I wasn't in the past, but I don't know, something feels different. So um, like Pastor Kyle said, my name is Katie Schneider. And I have been a part of the River Valley family for about four years now. I moved here four summers ago. And I've been on staff for about two years now. And so my last name now is Schneider, but it's going to change here soon. (laughs) Um, My fiancé led us in Holy Communion earlier tonight, and um, so I just wanted to give you a heads up. If you get an email from katie.rasmussen at rivervalley.org in a couple months, it's not a catfish thing. It's real. It's me. My last name has just changed because I've gotten married. I'm so excited for that. Um, So like Kyle said, all weekend long across the River Valley campuses, different people have been communicating. And we have all been given the same scripture and the same text to preach out of. But what's so cool is how differently God has wired each of us, that we can read scripture and take different things from it. So I'm really excited to share with you what the Lord has encouraged me in as I've been preparing for this. So I'm going to go ahead and dive into the scripture here. So if you have your Bible with you, would you please open to Luke chapter 10, and I believe it should be on the screen as well. But I'm going to read this. It's a little bit long, so I need your undivided attention because (laughs) this is what I'm preaching out of. So if you miss something, you might get a little confused later on. So lock it in, people, okay? Chapter 10, starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have, for any extra expense you may have. 
Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Jesus asked. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. If you're taking notes tonight, the title of my message is The Law of Love. (laughs) Would you bow your heads and pray with me over tonight? Jesus, I just thank you for who you are. Father, you are, you are love, God. You are love. And Jesus, I just thank you for every single person in the room and that you knew they would be here. Father, I just ask that you'd speak through me, Lord, that you would just take control of my mouth and my words. Um, Holy Spirit, would you speak through me, Lord? And I'm so excited um, for tonight. And I just thank you for the opportunity to share. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I have to take you a couple years back in my life. And this is early high school Katie. And I was asked to babysit a family friend, the Nangles. So I've known these people. And my younger sister, Julia, was really good friends with Olivia. She was the middle child. So there are five kids total. Two older brothers, Olivia, and then two sisters and their twins, Emma and Ella. And I had babysat before, you know, but five is kind of a lot. It's a little overwhelming. (laughs) And the older people, the older people, the older kids can entertain themselves. So I wasn't super stressed out about them. We had dinner and the parents were going out to um, a theater show. So if really anything were to go wrong, pretty much unreachable. They're not going to answer their phone. (laughs) So had dinner. I was hanging out with Olivia in her room. And, you know, the twins are kind of popping in and out of the room, just hanging out. And, you know, if you've ever babysat before, you kind of have to account for the children every once in a while. Like, okay, yep, I've seen him like five minutes ago. Yeah, it's all good. We're all good in here. And after a while, one of the twins, Ella, wasn't around as much. (laughs) And so I started to call out her name and go to different rooms around the house and she was not answering me. And so honestly, I went top to bottom asking her siblings, have you seen your sister? Like when was the last time you saw Ella? And no one could give me an answer. (laughs) So the panic starts to set in. You know, it's really nice summer. The neighborhood is a type of neighborhood where people have their doors open and um, I call my mom. And she's like, she honestly wasn't nice at all. She was just like, I mean, has the door been open? Is there a pond that she could have fallen in? Is there a neighborhood pool that she could have drowned in? And literally any horrible situation just ran in my mind and I was panicking. And I was, in a, I was not in a good place. And so I literally just ran out the front door and anyone that I could see on their nightly walk, I was like, do you know Ellen Angle? Have you seen her? Like, do you, have you seen her around? Has she come into your neighborhood, in your yard, anything? And people just kind of stopped what they were doing and honestly started to help me like call out for her name and ask to find her. And honestly, it was a little bit of a relief, but not because we weren't finding her. And so for some reason, I went back inside, well, to check on the other four children that I was not looking after while looking for the other one that I lost. And I'm going from the living room to the kitchen and I have to pass through the dining room and I see like little legs like tuck 
underneath the table. And like everything in me just was relief. And so I just <laughs> crouched down and I, she's sitting there like staring at me and I'm like trying to be as nice as possible, but also like, I cannot believe that this is my life right now. <laughs> so I'm crouching, I'm like, Ella, like, have you heard us calling your name literally across the neighborhood? <laughs> and she like, you know, I think was kind of embarrassed and didn't like say anything back. And I was like, when your babysitter or your siblings call your name, you have to say that you're here. You have to say and tell us that you're here and you hear us. So obviously all was well. And obviously I never got asked to babysit again at the name calls, <laughs> but I got to go back out to all the neighbors that were looking out and say, she's found. But honestly, thank you for stopping doing what you were doing and helping me when I was in a desperate situation. And I don't know if I'm telling this story or when I was reading to you the parable of the Good Samaritan, but I was in a desperate situation and the, the man that was half dead was also in a really desperate situation and people stopped to do, stopped doing what they were doing to come and help. Um, but what's really exciting and what I'm excited to tell you more, I think there's a lot more to this story that Jesus is getting at. And before I do that, um, I have to jump back into the scripture and break some things down for us. And right at the top, um, verse 25, it says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. And so in Jesus's context, this expert in the law, I'm going to call him the lawyer for the rest of our time together. Um, he was a Bible expert. Like this is somebody who knows the law in and out. And so you're, I would read this verse and be like, why is he testing Jesus? He should know all these answers, right? And so you can already sense a little bit of a shifty, sketchy, a heart situation with this lawyer. Like, what is he doing? He should have all these answers. And so he asked Jesus, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds with a question, which that's just classic Jesus. Is that so annoying when you ask someone a question and they reply with a question? You're like, that doesn't help me. <laughs> but Jesus says, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? So kind of throws it back in his court. How do you, what do you think? And the lawyer answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, it, and Jesus was like, yeah, check, you got it right. Do this and you will live. And we could end that right then and there and that'd be a great story and we'd learn some things. But what's interesting is the lawyer goes on and it says, but he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And I'm sure I can just imagine Jesus seeing this conversation coming from a mile away. We, we read all in the New Testament, New Testament about all these conversations that Jesus has with all these religious people, Pharisees, Sadducees. And the problem, the, the main thing that is going on with these people is their heart. They got all this head knowledge. They got all this stuff going on in here. They know things, but it has not traveled to their heart. And Jesus sees that. And he takes this opportunity to hopefully flip a switch in him and to open his eyes to something different. And that's what I want us to look at. So the way that Jesus responds to this with the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan tells us a lot of things about 
loving people and who our neighbors are. So the first point that I'm drawing from this passage is that love is an active force. Love is an active force and it's not, it's not a passive thing. It's not a passive thing. So the first question that is brought up in this conversation is what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus acknowledges the correct answer of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus instructs him, do this and you will live. Jesus doesn't say, think this way and you will live. Believe this and you will live. Talk like this and you will live. Say that you're going to do this and you will live. No, you actually have to do this and you will live. And it's clearly shown by the parable. We see two people that come into contact with a man who is dying. He's literally dying on the street. The first two people that we come into contact with are religious folk. Priests and Levites who know things, think a certain way, probably believe a certain way, and even talk about it. But we see that they don't actually do anything about it. In fact, we read that as they're walking and see him, they actively walk to the other side of the street and pass him, literally turning their back to this person who's in need. And what's crazy is a Samaritan, I'm going to go into this later in the message, a Samaritan man walks and he sees And the scripture says that he took pity on him, or we could say he had compassion. He had compassion. And that stirring is something that you cannot ignore. When you feel that ignite in your heart, when you see a problem, you have the decision right then and there to either act on it or pass by and literally turn your back to a situation. And this Samaritan, for some reason, we don't know. It doesn't tell us exactly why he acted, but he did. He acted. So love is an active force. It's not passive. This law of love is not enough for us to just think about it, even pray about it, talk to each other about it in our life groups, talk about it to each other in our staff meetings. We actually have to walk it out and do it. Which leads me to my second point. Love walks close. Love walks close and is always ready to help people in their time of need. Love walks close and is always ready to help people in their time of need. So again, both the priest and the Levite walked on the complete other side of the road after they saw this half-dead man. But the Samaritan, he immediately walked to him. He immediately took action like we first talked about, but he actually walked to the problem he walked to the problem. And I don't know about you, but you, have you ever noticed, if you're aware of a neighborhood, I've lived in my neighborhood for four years, how differently it looks when you actually walk it. Like I, I've driven in my neighborhood for four plus years. And there are times when my roommates and I will go to coffee shops and we'll walk and you literally see things completely differently, completely differently. And so I was thinking about that and just thinking, man, Lord, how many times do I just rush? And how many times do I just go and don't even stop enough in my day to ask you 
to show, me, to show me someone that I can walk to and help in their time of need. How many times do I do that? And what's also crazy to me is this Samaritan man. The Samaritan man who walked close to this person who was dying. He actually had everything that he needed to help nurse him back to health. In the scripture, it doesn't say that he had to go to a different city to pick up all these things. He didn't go to a different store to pick up all these things. He actually had everything on him. He had the bandages, the oil, the wine. He used his own donkey to carry this man to an inn. He used his own money to pay for a stay for him and practically wrote a blank check saying, whatever this man needs, use it, and I will come back and pay the leftovers. And reading about that, that just stuck out to me so much that this man had everything that he needed. And as I was thinking about that, the Lord was like, Katie, what do you have always at your disposal at all times when you're actively loving people, when you're walking close to people, what do you have ready to help people in their time of need? And we can look at this in a couple ways. We can look practically Um, Like Hannah shared this morning, she carries water bottles in her car and granola bars to hand out to people. That's a really amazing, practical way to do that. But I was drawn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, and it says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that... We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So from that, we have this heavenly comfort from our relationship with our heavenly father that's not meant to stop at us. We are not meant to just hold this in, this love, this comfort that we've received. It's meant to be an extension of who we are when we're walking, when we're seeing people. That is what is meant to be given out. Yes, people need resources. Yes, people need literal water bottles, but we have the living water to give people and we can't not do it. We can't not use our mouth and our actions to show people who Jesus is. We can't not do it because people are dying. People don't know who Jesus is in this city, in our neighborhoods. They don't know, and we have to use our voice. We have to use our voice. So now, my last point here is something that we cannot miss. And I'll be honest with you, hearing this story growing up, you know, of course, the Good Samaritan is an amazing neighbor, and he's kind and is merciful and extends a lending hand and helps a man who's dying. And the Obviously, what we're talking about is so good, but there's something else in here that Jesus is trying to communicate to us. I want us to go back to the question that the lawyer asked Jesus out of self-justification, out of this heart of, you know, I'm going to prove you wrong or prove you that I know a lot of information. And he asks, who is my neighbor? And as I read that and as I studied, I really felt like, honestly, the way that his heart was, it could be rephrased in such a way that he was asking something like this. 
are there certain people who really aren't my neighbor? Like, who do I need to love and who can I just forget about? Like, Jesus, just tell me who I need to really focus my time on and who can I just, like, leave behind because a lot of times I'm inconvenienced and I only have a certain amount of time to really focus on the certain group of people. And what's crazy, this story in Jesus' context, so this lawyer is Jewish. And in the story we hear about this Samaritan man, And in this time, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other, absolutely hated each other. And for Jews, they almost viewed the Samaritans as their enemies. Like literally, they were like, you are half of a human. I do not like you. I do not trust you. You are unworthy. And so just taking a moment and the fact that Jesus responds to this question out of self, that this self-justifying man and the hero of this story is someone that this man hates and his enemy and it had to have been the biggest gut punch to this Jewish lawyer that you're saying that a Samaritan can act in such a way and can be my neighbor and can act neighborly. And so this leads me to my third point, that love has no prerequisite and everyone is your neighbor. Everyone is your neighbor. Jesus' response with this parable of the Good Samaritan shows us that Jesus is for everyone and that we are supposed to be for everyone too. And this time that we're living in is so polarizing. If you're on social media, I don't even have to start talking about the things that we see and the things that people are talking about. And it is our role to love people no matter if you believe the same thing as them, no matter if you come from the same place as them, no matter if you have the same ideology as them, it is our role to love them. They are our neighbor. They are our neighbor. We shouldn't be asking the question that this lawyer asked in such a way like, okay, Jesus, like, who should I love today? Like, who, who are the people that I need to love? Instead, I think we should be asking this question. How can I become the kind of person whose compassion pays no heed to status? How can I become a person whose love, whose, whose natural instinct is to love people regardless of their background, regardless of where they come from, regardless of what they believe? How can I be such a person? And we know a person like that, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And so for us to even try, for us to even have a glimpse of walking a life like that, we have to study the way that Jesus lived and be in communion with him. Because love has no prerequisite, and every single person is our neighbor because of their innate worth. Because every single one of you and every single person in the entire world is created in the image of God. And because of that, we honor and we love every single person we come into contact with. Even if it's hard, even if it's inconvenient, that's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus would do. 
it's, it's wild to me, too, to think about the Good Samaritan. And we don't know what his morning was like. We don't know if he had the best morning ever or if it was horrible. But yet, as he was walking along this road, he sees someone in need. And he doesn't even know if that person is a Jew or a Samaritan himself. And it doesn't matter to him. It doesn't matter. He lets that little urge of pity and compassion lead to action. Lead him to action and he walks close and he uses the resources that he has to help him. And again, it didn't matter who he was. It didn't matter if he was a Jew or a Samaritan. He helped him still. I love how Paul puts it when he's writing to the Romans. Romans 13, 8 says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow men has fulfilled the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbors. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. I think that speaks to us today as well. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. It's time for us to wake up because there are people in our lives who need us to share the love of Jesus and to be the hands and feet of Jesus for those that need it. We have to open our eyes, slow down our pace, and be ready to act. And be ready to act. You know, for me, this story is pretty convicting. You know, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that every single urge that I've felt, I've acted on. Because that's not true. I'm human. <laughs> I get freaked out and I get nervous and it's, you get a little sweaty and you're like, I don't know if I should do this or not. But what I'd love for us this week, what I'd love for us this week, and you can hold me to it too, but especially in our city, there's a lot of stuff going on. People need love. People need things. And we have the best thing to give to people is the love of Jesus and salvation. So today, as you're going, today, this week, as you're going about your life, would you slow down and ask the Lord and invite him into your day? Say, God, could you interrupt my day with somebody that needs a hug or a prayer or encouragement and I know that God's going to answer that prayer for you. I know that he's going to do that for you. And next week, honestly, if something happens cool, next week come up and tell me on Sunday. I'd love to hear the story. And, and obviously all the glory is to God. But I believe as you step out to do this, it'll come, it'll come a little easier. And you'll start to realize that this is what you're meant to do. This is all of our call, to love God and to love people. And we can do that in certain ways through different jobs and things. But every single person in this room, it's what you're meant to do. That's what you're called to do. It's who we're created to be. So I'm going to pray over us over our week. So do you bow your heads with me? Lord, you are so good, Jesus. And I thank you that the love that you've given us, the comfort you've given us, Jesus, through all of our troubles and all of our situations is something to give out. And you do it in such a supernatural way that we can't even understand, God. But I pray over every single person this week, Lord, that they would have a life-changing moment with a stranger. 
that they would have a life-changing moment with a stranger, God, and you'd give them the confidence to step out and even ask and pray for that. Because if that's something people have never done before, it's a little nerve-wracking, God. But I, I know, Jesus, that you're going to move and that you're going to give us confidence to do that. So, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. And I thank you for every person in the room, Lord. And uh, Jesus, we just, we love you. We love you, God. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Hey. <laughs> Every, every Sunday, we don't want to miss this moment. We have an opportunity for people to say yes to Jesus. And what's crazy is the parable of the Good Samaritan is a beautiful picture of how Jesus comes to us in our desperation. We, I, before Jesus, I was that man dying on the side of the road with not a lot of purpose and separated from our heavenly father because of sin and brokenness in the world. But because of the love of our heavenly father, he sent his son Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life and to die on a cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose three days later. And because of that miraculous event, we are then reconciled to our heavenly father and we have salvation and grace and freedom. And so if, if you're in here and as I was talking, maybe the person you really identified with in the story was actually the person that was in need of help. The person on the side of the road. And you don't know where to turn to. And I'll tell you that Jesus is the best person that you could turn to and is the person you should turn to. And if you decide to follow him tonight and say yes and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, again, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that your life is all of a sudden perfect. Because it's not. It's life. There are things that happen and brokenness in this world. But I will tell you, when you invite Jesus into your heart, into your life, you always have a constant friend and a constant protector and a constant miracle worker that is working in your life. And he will never leave your side. He will always be there. So do you all bow your heads, close your eyes with me one more time to give somebody an opportunity to say yes to Jesus tonight.